0: Up a poke,
1: a poke, a
0: Welcome to the Crash Course Podcast. It's the bottom of the hour, and the sun should be up in about about 30 minutes. We're digging at the bottom of the record collection, and um, let's pass you over to Matt. We have Matt, John, Steve, your usual crew. Um,
1: and suddenly we're on NPR, I feel <laughs> dirty.
2: No, we're on Jazz 88. Oh, Jazz 88. Oh, so Jazz you're basing it on a specific network. <laughs> Jazz? That's funny. Just because you bring us a jazz album, you're like, now nah, I could jazz the whole thing up, jazz, jazz, jazz.
0: No, it's just in a very mellow mood. It's fine. Except really? there's no
2: time on the internet.
0: That's true. But they don't know when we did it. It could be, you know. Not 9.30 at night on Monday? Aw, oh, damn it. You <laughs> <He> ruined, <it. laughs> ruined it. It's prime time. It's the prime time on a really off day, though. So Yeah, yeah that's true. We're kind of in that uh, mood.
1: Well, as Steve has said, welcome to the Crash Chords Podcast. We're, uh... I'm ashamed. That's what I am. That's okay. No one cares what John thinks. So, uh, <laughs> this week I got to see two musicals, actually.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, one was First Date, starring my buddy Zachary Levi, which this is John Off. You cannot
2: use the term buddy. He, we're definitely
1: buddy. nerd bros, though. Totally nerd bros. Anyway, um, it's a uh, Broadway musical that just opened this past week, I think, or the week before. Um, and it's 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 pretty honest in what it's trying to be. It's just a fun, almost kind of sitcom musical. It has a lot of cutaways and freeze frames and the music's good and it's very wholesome, it's got heart you know, it's just a fun musical it's not the best thing you'll ever see on Broadway but it's definitely enjoyable and worth
0: seeing So it's a fun musical? Yep Very fun? Yes Okay. I know so you're mocking I, me for using the word fun multiple times No, Shut if up you're no, no if you're I'm, ju- I'm just you. reaffirming that anyone who likes fun out there should definitely go see this musical because. Would anyone admit that they it's, don't it's a, it's like a fun, fun? musical? Would anyone just admit that they don't like fun? I feel like mocking you The band, I'm not a fan not fun. Period. Just fun. I thought the fun fun was assumed. I don't. Know, the I don't like fun.
2: Thanks, my. <laughs> Moving on. Um, I <laughs> you also saw speak- an make inside sure- joke to a bunch yeah, of Yeah, and strangers. make sure you got to make sure you bleep that because I don't think we should put his name on 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 the air. Why? That's calling someone out. You could just use his first name. Anyway, anyway. I also
1: saw *Love's Labor's Lost* at train in the park,
2: offended. which
1: uh, was. Uh, the creator of bloody bloody andrew jackson andrew jackson i keep struggling to say that took love's labor's lost and added songs to it and it was actually done very well the acting was great it was a lot of fun they even did a cover towards the end when they're trying to win over the hearts of the the fem- the four female le- leads they sing a cover of to be with you by mr big um complete with epic guitar solo it was actually a, a very fun thing the
0: snob, fun, fun, a fun, fun thing it was. Right? The
2: snob in me is offended that one would take Shakespeare's work and and set it to music, for that's not how it was intended. The other part of me remembers what other people have done with Shakespeare's work, and realize that's probably the least offensive thing you could do to it. Um,
0: also, one of the cast members in... I'm more on the snob side, I think. <laughs> a little bit. Actually, it was very good, and it was done well. And oh, come on. Remember I, Roman Well, as Juliet? we said before, it's all an iambic pentameter. It's very easy to set music to it. So right. it's like, all right, if they did it in a you know fun way, then I wouldn't... It was play. entertaining. Remember, and remember what actually, they did. Ooh, He's changing up the word. Look Ra- at this. Rachel Dratch of
1: Saturday Night Live fame was in it. Um, and Sarah had met her from doing the 24-hour musical, so I got to meet her after the show. And she was very humble and sweet and nice.
0: It was nice. I'm, I'm, so just, nice. Saying, I'm just saying, humble, sweet, nice, and fun. But you threw in entertaining, so
2: you know what? I'm not. I'm gonna let it slide. Obviously, by pointing it out, you're not doing <sighs> that. But I'm just saying, like, remember, ten things I hate about you. Took my favorite comedy by Shakespeare, *Taming of the Shrew*, and destroyed it. Then there's also *Romeo and Juliet*, starring Leo, and that whole thing.
0: That was very common. That thing. was
2: terrible. Okay, that's a common
0: thing though. They're not. I mean, that's not the only example you could pull out. They.
2: They do this a lot. Yeah. Hamlet into the ha- modern day. Hamlet's been redone like 8 times. And the only reincarnation of Hamlet I've enjoyed is The Lion King.
0: <laughs> Interesting. I actually rather <laughs> prefer the uh, rather prefer <laughs> the Kenneth Branagh version of Hamlet. But I've of course never, that was yeah, that well, that's what gave him a one. career also. That was the original. Yeah. 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 He like that so was a big thing.
2: You were like me and you like the originals. Uh, For the most part.
0: Well, the thing is, I have a little problem with people who can't see the Shakespeare stories in any other setting but their own. Like, I I feel like they were written in a time, you should be immersed in that time. Yeah, but The one chance you get to be immersed in that time, why not take it? Yeah, but also, modernizing
1: some of those is not because they can't see it in that, but because they want to do something different. And not be like everyone else who came
0: before them. Fair enough, but at the same point, that won't inspire. Have
1: either of you seen Joss Whedon's um, um, Much To Do About Nothing? Yeah. It was really well
2: done. And yeah. the language was just more or less the same. The setting was just different. Setting you know was modern. You know which one I did not like. What adaptation? I think it was called Oh, or Othello. It was a remake of Othello with Keanu Reeves in it. Oh,
0: that was awful. What? Yeah, that was
2: terrible. <laughs> what?
0: How is this going on he to my played radar?
2: Iago, too. And that was the best part. I know. What? Keanu can do roles, but he cannot do Iago. Wow. Yeah. I can't I can't even He's one of the greatest villains ever created, and you can't get Kiana to do it. You just can't. Yeah. Well, Eh, I don't
0: know. I guess if it works for some people, I don't know. i don't know know. but then again even even you take it and you put it in a modern day then you're still speaking the language of the time and that there's that disconnect where you you know someone's on a cell phone
2: it it throws you off or instead of swords they're they're waving around guns or instead of seats, they're driving cars yeah
0: it's like the the language none of the language implies any of that the, the language is actually kind of timeless Oh, no, I mean, like, occasionally they do reference specific things. Right. Yes, of course it's timeless. That's one of the reasons I think that people should go out and seek the originals. Yes, but I think also if you do something creative and clever with it, and it works,
1: I think that's just as great. Sure. Whatever, (laughs) you haven't even seen Much Ado yet, so hush. I read Much Ado. Yes, but you didn't see the new one. The new one was done very well, which is what I was speaking to. I see. That was my example for modernizing, which was done yeah. well. No, no, That's the one thing I think Joss
2: Whedon has done poorly. Ooh. I think he Matt's going to hit me. He said, <laughs> he said it. He oh, almost, my God. Oh, I my God. He that. said yeah, it. Yeah, I know he thought about it, and he knows how much I love Joss Whedon. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, can we get back on topic?
0: Uh, yet again, we're, we were never on a topic. Oh, okay. Um, Can we get on a topic? A topic. All right. All right. Um, let's we just were... shoot out a random topic, even though it happens to be the <coughs> topic of the day. So, moving on. Black Sabbath. Yes. My pick for this week is no Bla- jazz. Black Sabbath's <laughs> new
1: record, 13. Um, I found out in I ha- I doing get a little... off
0: the previous week of jazz, you know.
1: In uh, doing some research on the record, I found out that the reason it was named 13 is because they started working on this record in 2001 is when this work on this record first began, which, hence the number 13. It took them 13 years to finish this record. Um, The drummer for the record was a session drummer. He's actually not a part of Black Sabbath. Can't remember the gentleman's name now, of course. I quite like the drummer, actually, in this particular record. Um, So, yeah, it's it's Black Sabbath's newest record. It came out a couple months ago. It's like 15 years since their last one. Yeah, um, their last album, studio album was 1995, their last album with Ozzy was a live record in 98. Well,
0: give the proper introduction here, what we're trying to do this week, what Matt is trying to do this week, um, to contrast what I tried to do last week, is bring someone at the forefront of another genre. So I brought Shikaria, who was at the forefront of jazz, and Matt's trying to bring in, of course, Black Sabbath and Ozzy Osbourne at the forefront of metal. And we're just trying to see what they've been up to, because... Let's see. When did they start out as a band? Seventies. Seven definitely in the seventies. <clears throat> they were in the seventies, three ish. Yeah, they were in the seventies because then Ozzy went solo in
1: the
2: eighties. How old is Ozzy Osbourne? A trillion years old. If he's a day. If no, he's a said day. Last week? Yes. Yeah, a, yeah, yeah. He's in his
0: late sixties. Yeah, I think I think 1960s. that's sixties. True. So all things there's not that big of an age difference here between Korea and Ozzy Osbourne. So yeah, I might be wrong. Let's check and see but what these John
2: kids, odds are in favor nah, of that. But his kids are in their, their are late twenties, early thirties anyway. Yeah. I mean he's gotta be he's gotta be mid fifties if he's if he really is a day. Stop saying that. I, he no, really likes that, I really okay. that Well have you
1: met
0: John? John finds a catchphrase and buries it. No, I haven't met him. I mean I, there's a lot of recordings of us talking, but I really haven't met him. I oh, never okay. look in his direction. Ever. I don't
2: blame Mike. He's at Matt right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. to freak Let's have out. a
1: conversation over John and not actually acknowledge him for the rest of the
2: podcast. Oh. End of the beginning. Track one. Um,
1: the intro to this track was a little long and repetitive, but then it gets into what I called throughout the record standard Sabbath.
0: Yeah. Well, first off, this is the exposition. This yeah. is... I, I don't see how they necessarily could have put anything here except quintessential Sabbath. Yeah. I mean... In fact, the first 3 tracks are all just kind of to remind us, oh, it's Black Sabbath. Right. You know.
2: Now I have issues with this song. Me too. First off, yes, it does have a oh, dragging intro. That's that's it it goes on. It's heavy, it's length. heavy, but
0: it drones. That's the yeah. thing. And it's very repetitive. It's really only like a four-note cycle um and it just goes over and over and over and over again. I understand that it's somewhat of a setting setter. You know. A setting setter? Oh, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's go with it. Let's go with it. <laughs> uh, <sure>. Keep rolling. <laughs> Keep rolling. It's it's trying to set the mood of this album, which I think it does fairly well. Uh, a touch of Ominous. Again, Black Sabbath. Um, it Definitely... A lot of flat five. Let's throw that out there. A lot of A lot of tritone. And I think they've always kind of been in love with the tritone that's that very dissonant sound that I've described to you before it's right there flat five doesn't have much to do with any other chord or any other key but it 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 clashes sort of it wears on you after a while but it in in the best possible way it I think people actually used to refer to that as the satanic sound back in the olden olden days and I think that's one reason why he uses it in almost every single song but not to any negative end I mean this this song essentially in a, in its
1: whole is exactly what you'd expect Sabbath to sound like.
2: Well, for for everything that you get in the typical A section intro, the B section is significantly more charismatic. This the the the
1: the, the second and third parts of this tr- uh, uh track are what kind of brought me in and engaged me. There was more to it, more character, more soul. It kind of it gave it. you more sense of this futility versus growth, you know the end of the beginning, the beginning of the end.
0: which
2: is another part of it.cycl cyclic, cyclic,
0: yeah. cyclic like, like, nature fertility versus growth. Uh, and you know you hear that and you know the upbeat. It's a great riff, great solo. And I actually really like the drum work here. This is where I think he started to sh- shine, at least as a complimentary uh we'll also, keep,
1: well, also keep in mind, if you're bringing in a session drummer, you're not going to bring in some deadbeat. You're going to bring in a great drummer
0: uh, that well, you know. Especially if you're Black Sabbath and right, you're absolutely. holding auditions. Yeah, There's obviously. like
2: maybe half a dozen bands that can do better drummer auditions. I mean, there's, there's very few names as big as this.
0: Well, the real chance to show off uh, in any Black Sabbath song is during the drum fills, specifically. Yeah, of course. Like between uh, phrases and here and there. That's where the drummer gets to kind of go nuts. And um, even though he didn't go full force in this first track, I still heard it. And I like the stuff he did, you know, complimenting, yeah, And he alluded to what he does things. later
2: in the album. It was really good at the end, the C section, because like every eight-minute Sabbath song, there's A, B, C, if not a full-fledged D section in it. Uh, the C section with the outro had definitely the most heart and I was really starting to groove in that part that's when they started catching me into that heavy metal riff design the the more fluid drum work it, it the guitar work it was really starting to, to, to grow on me at that point point. and that really set the stage you get almost every the single thing in this track you yeah get the shredding solo at the end
0: I'm still not sure it was you know quite up to par of you know his earlier work the stuff that we all know from Black Sabbath but Because it was a little bit lacking in personality, and I guess that was my one overall problem with this track.
1: Yeah, but also something I pointed out when we were discussing off the air a little bit is we also have to be careful, and we've done this, and and everyone falls kind of into this trap when you're reviewing a band that's been around a long time, is... We can't compare this to War Pigs. War Pigs is a very specific, you know, or something on that level. Because it's a very specific song. Right. War a Pigs, lot of Iron other Man, blacks. Yeah, yeah. Th- those were very unique for even Black Sabbath. The genre-defining songs. Right. Exactly. If you start comparing everything to that, you're going to be disappointed with everything. You know? It's the same idea that you can't control, couldn't compare everything that Metallica did to one. However, a lot of the new Metallica records also weren't comparable to the average tracks either. And
0: that's the difference. Well, that's the funny thing. I've heard a lot more clash or backlash against the new Metallica work than I've heard, you know, for this album. So here's the thing. With Metallica, because I actually have a lot of experience with this because I'm still stupid and keep
1: buying these records. The only I drew the line at the new Megadeth album when it got like a 38 on Metacritic. But anyway, Megadeth and Metallica's subsequent records in the more recent history, they've tried something different but they didn't try a little something different or experiment a little bit here. They made drastic changes that just were so jarring to the listener that most of the fans just went, Well, this is crap.
0: Like on Oh, San- so I see. Then these guys did the exact opposite and kept it real.
2: They right have there. aerosmith yeah, yeah. syndrome. Yeah. But but the, they're pointing that now. I I you know, I'm not gonna go
0: quite that far because, because they there still is have more there character. are some there's some uh, t- A little bit of work on this record where I think they do actually move beyond uh their comfort zone. I don't want to say comfort zone because there's not groundbreaking the, 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 work on this record. The, the big problem with the
1: Metallica versus this was Metallica, when Sand Anger came out in the mid-2000s, Sand Anger they tried to make that that album sound, they tried to imitate the new metal artists, like Disturbed, Linkin Park and these bands who were doing a sound for the 2000s but nobody wants to hear Metallica do that. They want to hear the be Metallica and grow not try,
0: try something completely different. It's a shame. I mean, it all depends on what people are looking for. Well, I personally, also, as a listener, listener, love to hear. Well, about I think it probably. was
1: also the fact that they did bad new metal. I think that was the problem
2: well, because of their enough. inexperience with it. Right. Getting back to end of the beginning, because that's a good point. Because it's hard to review a band like Black Sabbath without making comparisons to its early work because of how prolific they are yes. in, in what they do. Because of how prolific they are and what they do, (laughs) I was really disappointed in some of the lyrical work on this song. And that's something that, whether alone or in Black Sabbath, Ozzy knows how to speak. For everything you may have seen in his interviews, his T V stuff, when he was just trying to make
0: money. Disregarded. Yeah.
2: Ignore that because if you've ever heard the words and gone line by line with like Iron Man, you will understand this guy Either he's writing masterpieces or someone's writing it for him. The beginning of End of the Beginning, not to repeat myself, really just had the, the, the standard trope of contrary lyrics. Is this heaven? Is this hell? Is this good? Is this bad? And it really wears on me very quickly.
0: I think it's but, because it's part of that, the genre definition, as it were. Yeah, metal, okay. metal loves to bring in those biblical themes and everything. And I'm not saying that, you know. In some sense, they are timeless, because now it's fallen into part of the mythology and everything. You know, for mythology, for for good or for worse, it's relevant, I still feel. Many of those stories are relevant. And, of course, trying to find yourself in the thick of it, that's relevant also. So I get that. But at the same time it's been done in so many other metal tracks, that I see your point, I can see why it would be a trope at
2: at this stage. But... It has redeeming qualities, because later on we get lines like this. You don't want to be a robot ghost occupied inside a human host, analyzed and clode, cloned relentlessly, synthesized until they set you free. That's, that's great! Uh, yeah, I know. And that's, that's actually
1: that's actually not a terrible metaphor for
2: pop, cu- pop culture and pop music as a whole. Which is great, because it actually does set up a theme work with this album. It's almost... Uh, It's hard to really get into it without quoting a lot of other stuff, but there's a theme I see throughout this album that is set up right here of anti-fervor for society. How we really push a lot of ideas that gain some popularity into the forefront, which may not be the best ideas of the world. How we've become somewhat drones, just kowtowing to what, you know, Pop culture says we should. Okay, and I I buy that
0: because there is there's definitely some tracks. In in fact, the very next track where you could see it might not be as much of a personal debate it's, as much as it's more of a worldly debate more, that he's trying to more anthem. So a preacher on a pulpit
1: almost, or a or just someone on a pulpit on a soapbox. Kind yeah. of. I,
0: I wouldn't see the soap, but no, actually, I I, I would say it's more like. Society turns itself
2: to the okay. paper
0: and tries to understand itself. It's not. It's not a preachy thing. I don't think any of this stuff is preachy.
2: Oh, no, no, okay. Maybe guy holding an end is nigh nice sign in front of a crowd. I don't know. It's hard because of the themes that they're working in here. It's hard to really define it as any one thing. Yeah, there's a lot of religious elements, but he's not really preaching. Not not fully, except in the next track. Well, then let's dive in. And speaking of that's speaking, the most controversial speak, speaking title of preaching, God is dead. Question mark. So God is dead. God is dead. God is dead.
1: God is, is dead. Is actually Never? the fir- is the single of the record, which surprised me when I looked it up. Ooh, yeah,
0: controversial single.
1: Love it. I, I was surprised though because there were other tracks that
0: sounded. It's hard with metal to say what sounds like a single because metal operates a little different. Me way. and John were just having this discussion on our way over here because metal in many ways is just a word to describe the aesthetic. Yeah. I think. It's not really it it I've actually mentioned this before in a previous podcast. It doesn't really allude to form at all. I don't no. think it, it 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 form could be whatever it wants under the metal umbrella. Yeah. So, sure There's pop yeah, pop not pop doesn't matter.
2: Yeah, the metal really it, you need a thrashing guitar. You need one or two, one of two different voices. Ozzy's high-pitched, screaming voice, or more of a thrasher, monstrous-type voice really goes very well with metal. Uh, those tend to be the two that they fall in. And outside from that thrashing guitar, you need a drum that can do a lot. You need a drummer that really can get complicated. That's a major factor. That said... I want to take this
0: opportunity to stress that I don't think this is a true metal record in every sense. I think there's a lot more southern rock going on here than there is actual metal metal. And it's true, yes, as you just described metal is a very very wide genre and perhaps if you're just talking about the heavy distorted guitars, sure. But there's this slow trudging nature to this that feels very personable. It doesn't it doesn't have that that um Gritty subcultural
2: Disinf- effect that a lot of other metal has. Disenfranchise right, is a theme that's worked into a lot of, of metal. But, but those themes that you're talking about are kind right, of, no, that. Are kind of a part
1: of the culture of Black Sabbath at least. I mean, look at look at uh, War- that's the
0: thing. Black yeah. Sabbath was at the forefront of that. So in many ways, they influence they influenced other metal artists yeah. to go out and seek the very type of music that I'm describing when, in many ways, Black Sabbath has never really changed. They were exactly what they started with, so it's almost irrelevant to discuss that kind of thing.
2: Yeah. And the reason we're discussing all of this is because in God is Dead, we get a little bit of everything. You have a very, very s- slow intro that is really abruptly killed into a real primal as Matt put it, a very primal beat.
0: And I do have to say, this intro, I, I, I liked it, even though it was still slow. It was kind of kind of a creepy vibe. It was punchier and had more depth than the uh, exposition of the very first track. The only problem is that it was very too short, uh, and it got replaced by. The following it was, section. and then they get go
2: place. It was murdered and then <laughs> and
1: then they go right back into it after the intro is over for the verse. Yeah,
2: with the rebuilt with that slight primal nature. But of it was that still breakdown. very
1: similar to the intro, so it's like they almost could have lopped off that little intro bit and just get
0: into it.
2: Uh, they did return
0: to it once, but the thing is, it, I, I actually thought the retransition might have been a little bit better than the transition out of the intro. Mm. But I don't know. I'm still not sure about the disconnect, uh, considering the song, but. The track itself, it doesn't really pick up per se. It just changes tone a bit, and it still has this very slow, trudging nature, like it's trying to understand itself. And when you consider the title, it is, is basically a question. I mean, it does go through stages,
1: and the lyrics affect that too. It's kind of a simplicity in the beginning, and this kind of.
2: And I, oh, that that was the big issue I had with this song in the beginning. I kind of just couldn't stand it because it hit that preacher level. It hit a guy on a pulpit just waving a Bible. I didn't feel that as much though. Yeah, I didn't either. But I liked it in the framework. Once I really heard the second and third verses, after those choruses, Uh, it it really became from an explanation of the fakers into a personal explanation of what's wrong, into him being persecuted because of that belief. See, I understand that. I really enjoyed that.
0: But even just going back to the beginning, the reason why it never even crossed my mind that it was, you know, toward the preachy side is because it, I'm looking at the musical end of it. And the musical end is because it's so slow, it almost feels like it's meandering and trying to understand itself. That's why I never really feel like you can't, have, you can't be that aimless and yet be preaching something. I feel like that that disparity would be too much for this track. And honestly... I wouldn't believe Ozzy would do that. Honestly, with this track also, I think the reason I do like it so much, because when we were talking about it, I was
1: trying to figure out why I liked it, because I remember liking it on the first lesson. I think discussing it has reminded me. It's because it starts kind of lost and unfocused, and then builds... Like, lyrically, it builds. And whether the music was a little repetitive or not, I really liked how the message
0: and lyrics built. I had the same exact experience, and... Let's face it, because of the trudging nature of it, and because it is the verse really is so repetitive, I mean, you can get a little bit bored by it, I feel, but it's a track that requires some patience when you consider the greater theme work at play.
2: And I I really enjoyed the way the choruses were handled, because the first one ended with, Is God alive or is he dead? God is dead. And I love the way they ended the second one, which was, I believe God is not dead. God, God is, is dead. dead. And it goes right that is into great. and it goes right into the lines to safeguard my philosophy until my dying breath I transfer from reality into a living death.
0: That was my favorite line in the the
2: song and to some extent the uh the album. And it, when that when that line was spoken it just it solidified that whole theme work I was looking and it it just became great. It really just it backtracked, fixed everything I thought was going wrong, and and, and turned it on a dime. And That's and strange. once you've
1: ho- honed in on that stuff, you really get a sense of the emotion of the song and how it starts out with this kind of being lost, not being sure, almost losing faith, and then maybe finding it again. But but then also being persecuted for how you interpret and find your faith. Like it it, it actually there's a lot more faith in this song than you initially realize. Yeah. If you gloss over it. And it, it's cool. This is it's a, almost
2: like... It really is a song about faith. It's, it almost talks about how
1: ideas, Which with the
2: title you'd be like, duh. Like... Well. It talks about the dangers of having ideas outside the norm. Which is just... I think you I, might, be, I hate, you
0: might be stretching it a little bit there.
2: Maybe a little bit, but... It's... it's Come on. Well, Heavy let's metal? Let's this way. I haven't done that in years. I'm very years. inclined
0: to to stress the lyrics in this in this particular track because without it, if you if you don't consider that theme work, I, I I think they would it would be a little bit thin because there is a problem. There's gonna be that split, you know, when you get to the end of it. Because I'm sure mo- more a little bit more could have been done with this verse, but as we said, it it works when you consider that it's a slow build. The problem is that the verse not much is done with it, like except for a different drum fill here and there. Occasionally, they'll throw in, like, a flat six in place of a flat five. It's just, it's still a cycle, and, you know, that cycle can wear on you. I feel a barren landscape here. It's a setting builder, even more so than the first track was a setting builder. But, you know, by the second verse, I was like, I got it. It's good that they had the lyrics to balance that out, is my point. Yeah, but sometimes that's how, I mean, there are a lot of
1: cases with metal songs or any kind of rock song, where sometimes it's more focused on the lyrics than the music. Sometimes songs just go that route.
0: Yeah, it all depends on uh, the way in which it's phrased. In this particular yeah. case, uh, Ozzy has such a present voice, you can't, yeah. you can't miss him, oh, yeah. that you know, I,
2: I'm, that's where I'm drawn to in this particular right. track. Now, we- this song leads directly into our next track, Loner. Conceptually, it's following the theme work that was built in the previous song. I just feel like this song in particular was a miss on the album. And that is primarily due to uh, two factors. One, I really was not enjoying breakdowns, I was not enjoying the way they were changing the theme work of the music, and two was the theme work itself, the actual music was very repetitive in the beginning and kind of drew my my ears away. And that's kind of where I stand
0: with this. I mean, you don't really have the lyrics to balance out and hit you in the face like the previous track does. So to me, this was like another repetitive riff. A little bit peppier, but not not stirring in any way. And it kind of solidified the slow pace of this album overall. There didn't seem to be that, you know, I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for the build-up, waiting for the... For the rock out and it's not quite happening yeah, for me this song i, I mean m- my big thing that i wrote was pleasantly average which i'm still not sure if
1: it's good or bad to me like i didn't hate the song i didn't love it either it was just kind of pleasantly average it's standard fare from black sabbath yeah it's it's insert black sabbath
0: song generic black sabbath song here that said that said halfway through it it does deliver in, in only in a moment but it delivers pretty well because the same thing I was talking about the drummer like in the very beginning of this album he'd throw in a little drum fill here and oh, yes, there. Yes, I know what you're talking about he had a and big then drum And in this it's he, like someone splashed water on him or he took a couple pep pills because he just woke up and went at it, you know, yeah, during he,
1: his, there was a definite drum solo here that's was out. this little
0: bridge uh, where it just really picks up and follows followed by a pretty awesome instrumental too. And then it kind of returns, and it goes back to the same verse, which is a little bit repetitive, and you know, I kind of enjoyed the final outro also, but not in any overarching way.
1: Yeah, like I said, there's not really anything bad to say about this song, but not a lot of great things either. It was just... it was was average. It was okay. An
0: average song with a great moment. Yeah.
1: Um, So moving on, since there's not much else to say about Loner, to Zeitgeist, which is flat out, I'll say... At the
0: top, my favorite song on the record. This is the most creative track on the album, and that's putting it
2: lightly. Now, Zeitgeist, i got to point this one out. Zeitgeist was used by a bunch of other bands for the names of songs. Including, I believe, Smashing Popkins. Yeah, Zeitgeist Zeitgeist is actually a popular song. First of all, look
0: at the word. It means the spirit of the age or the spirit of the time. That's what it means, and it's very interesting considering... uh, the tone throughout this drastically different from anything else in this album. This track
1: has this kind of great haunting acoustic style that quickly kind of blends with this kind
0: of almost Spanish influenced guitar style. Exactly. And it's 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 like a rumba almost. Almost. And that's yeah. that's uh, the way it comes it. later. Just just the intro. The experience of the intro alone is really something to behold. It's it's an acoustic guitar, yes, but I feel like it's doubled by an electric bass underneath which gives it this deep rumble very awesome effect and then when you combine that with a very sparse percussion I believe it was a woodblock uh, combined with a bongo drum but very sparse yeah. just to provide like a very thin loose rhythm and it comes when all of this functions together it's really kind of original yeah. this is the groundbreaking moment on this album and it's very unlike Black Sabbath's previous work or anything else that metal is really doing I
1: mean, but but a lot of metal bands that I like have had standout kind of songs that didn't fit the the perfect structure of metal. I mean, if you take Nothing Else Matters, the first
0: time, you know, that was on the Black album. That was so different from Metallica at the time. Of course. Yeah. But I think what really separates this from, you know, the rest, everyone loves to have their different track. Hey, look, being different. This, it really had to do with imagery. It had to do yeah. with the setting that they that they put forth. It's like... It's almost the same barren landscape that we got in God is Dead, right. but it's to a whole much more believable degree. But it I'm still there. fits. I'm
2: walking around.
1: It still fits the arc of the record, though, I think, very nicely. And of course. It's,
2: yeah. And it's from the very first words of this song Astral engines in reverse, I'm falling through the universe again. Down among a dead man's vision, faded dreams and nuclear fission span. It's from the right. get go.
0: We'll replace Barren Landscape with astral plane. Yeah, <laughs> I
1: mean it,
2: it hits It's ethereal. It's absolutely ethereal. It's it's not even that, there's there's a sense of apocalypse. Let's put this wasteland.
0: Way. This is the stuff that keeps metal interesting for me, and to some extent relevant, because I it's as I started to say in the beginning, there's there's a lot of tropes out there for metal nowadays. If, if you're going to perpetuate the genre and move it in the next logical direction, you need to paint a picture. You need to use the instruments and and the effects to really create something and put people in a place, not just deliver them, you know, hey, we're going to thrash out, that's it. it that, that, that's one thing, but that's only one thing. I think that this
1: song is the nice peppering on this album. To It doesn't bring the whole album to the next level, but it
0: definitely shows that Black Sabbath has grown at least somewhat in the last 13 years. The next thing about this track, and I think one of the most important things about the track that really solidified this, I think is a five-star song for me to believe it not. I would and agree with that. That's the lyrics. Uh, sorry, the vocals. Yeah. The vocals particularly. Ooh. Ozzy was,
2: uh, I want to say, like, his, in his, in his syllable el- the top work. of his element. Uh, in the syllable work at his, at his uh, the verses, um, like in the first verse when he hits the word again, there's just a little... I don't know. He messes it's with a the bend. timbre. It's yeah. a bend. I know and exactly just, the moment you're talking it's about. It's just a fluttering aspect of it. And he holds it just a little bit longer than you used to. And it's great. It's that kind of motion in his it, voice in this track. It goes go this, this, perfectly with that sultry nature of the Spanish guitar work. It's going perfectly with the very... Eerie qualities of the acoustic work—it's great. This
1: song is is showing that Ozzy's still got the chops. It's it's showing
0: that he's he's a vocal master and it's he can still do it. He still is. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Favorite and favorite moment—I mean, during the chorus, he he goes up to that high seventh, you know, without any problems whatsoever, and then after that, he concludes the phrase with the very bend that you're talking about. It's it's really wonderful. It, it's almost bone chilling to some degree. You know, if, it, it if you're perpetuates into kind of that haunting feel
1: throughout the song from beginning to end. You get this kind of yeah emptiness
2: and, almost. And speaking of and the w- end, uh, it was it was almost a callback to one of my favorite songs, even though it's played ad nauseum. Hotel California. It has one of those really smooth guitar with a dash of metal thrown in. Outros that it just perpetuates itself And just goes through movements You know,
0: I would buy that if it wasn't just for one thing The fact that all of Hotel California Is in major and it's just so happy And carefree and uplifting And, and here I feel this dark grittiness That, that separates for me from making that
2: connection That's where that metal comes in That, keep, that brings it a little more down to earth That makes it that, that really takes it from the plane That it had created And, yeah. and smashes you back to earth But does so lovingly yeah. It really does a great job. It's an
0: incredible outro. This also does one other thing that, um, a few other tracks on this album neglect to do, and that's really spicing up the returns of verses, the returns of choruses, with, you know, little things here and there that in all honesty, can sometimes make the difference between a, a, a good track and a great track. It's a little finer details. Yeah, this like a little Electric effect that actually does come in. It's sort of a synth that comps over the main riff. It's very subtle, as as Matt said, almost uh, Spanish, Latin. You actually do have maracas shaking in the background. Um, and that's when you combine all that, the type of rhythm at play. Really, I I am pretty certain it is a rumba. And you said there was. A and then the uh, the the outro that you're talking about. You
2: said it was. You you first thought of Floyd. I immediately went to Santana and the Eagles. That was because the of the
0: scale that they were using. It, it, I'm sure both bands have gone to that scale. I mean, it, it's, it seems like the soul of that era of rock, to some extent. Yeah. That's why, again, this track, I can't put it in metal at all. No, absolutely at all. not. This is, as we start to say, southern rock with a bit of a Latin twist. Yes. And I believe that some of the scales... This track used were also used by some of the bands that John's mentioning. Yes. it's it's that was the essence of the era, and I feel like they're throwing me right back there, and it still sounds fresh. It sounds new. Yeah.
1: and yet it still fits within the structure of the record because of where it takes you and how it makes you feel. Exactly, and uh, and it and it worked really. I I thought fairly well with the next track, uh, Age of Reason.
2: The idea of being a spirit for the the century for the decade for the people of the time this gets even more personified in age of reason
0: age of reason supposedly referring to the current age and i guess this is our zeitgeist yeah and and you get this sense
1: like in his lyrics the way he's singing you get this sense of frustration with with how things are
2: and, and, Immediately, and what's great is it—it it, it gets coupled with a real heavy core progression. Yeah, a really heavy strong, riff, strong guitarist, strongest, the strongest up until this point, and it really takes that you know beautiful nature of the previous song, and brings you back to reality in a heartbeat, on a dime, right there, you're back.
0: This has the essence of metal for a specific reason, and that's form in this particular case, um, even if. You buy what I'd said earlier, that that Black Sabbath really isn't metal per se, they're like their own brand of rock here and there. I'm not talking about I'm not talking about the sound in this case. I'm not talking about the overall aesthetic. I'm talking about form. Going to what John said in the very beginning, that that Black Sabbath tends to go through sections like a section A to B to C, maybe even D, I wasn't feeling that much until this particular track. That's a very prog thing to do, actually, It's just to go through different sections um, and then tie them together in, in, a, in a looser fashion than your typical verse-chorus structure. But I was hearing verse-chorus structure all the way up until here, but this track, Aids of Reason, completely breaks that. This truly is broken into uh, specific sections, um, movements, as it were.
2: Yeah, completely. Yeah. Now... I'm not into all of the movements. And I agree. <laughs> the there outro were... was stale, in my opinion. I felt like that outro had been done ad nauseum a thousand times by Heavy Metal. I just really couldn't get on board with there that. There was... Well, see, this is the thing. We're
0: always you know, going back in ourselves, because you've got to look at all aspects here. The, even the beginning had, had a little bit of a staleness to it, but I think I kind of bought it because of the track that preceded it.
2: I kind of bought it because I felt like this is... You want to set up a picture that gets the job done. That intro gets the job done very quickly. Yeah, yeah. No, I'll, I'll I'll
0: definitely buy that. It's a better riff than probably most of the riffs in this album. It's still kind of repetitive, but you know, it's you, a riff. You don't harp on on a on a
2: riff when it's, it's not, go, when
0: it's good yeah, for being it, repetitive. It's not
2: a solo. A solo. Rec- it means that you're going to be experimental. A riff is going to have repetition.
0: Exactly. It's, and, and Black Sabbath makes use of that all over the place. They have this underlying riff that will sometimes last the entire track.
2: And it was really that B section that really, it, it added the complications that it needed to, to really start bringing it more forefront, for right. me to really start enjoying it. And that's when the lyrics really got heavy-handed again, and got good again. This is probably my favorite form work on the
0: album. It comes right after this. Uh, true, I wasn't as big in the very end, but there was this middle section where right after part two, it goes into a transition, which is kind of this harsh, you know, tr- using that tritone again, tritone happy, and then moves into a very brief part three before going right back into that transition again to move itself out. It's that That's a very prog thing to do, and it felt very... It was moving at that point, it, musically... Interesting.
2: And also completely changed the lyrical structure. That's the part that started with That's right. Same politics, part. religion, love of money too. It's what the world was built for, but not for me and you. Interesting. Short, sweet, to the point, which is what that whole section was. And yet beforehand, in, 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 in the B section, always felt that there'd be trouble. Mass distraction hides the truth prozac days and sleepless hours seeds of chain that don't bear fruit interesting i mean he really is getting political in this one talking about uh, the societal norms that we're going through that he sees are wrong i mean i know ozzy does this i know black sabbath does this it's really refreshing to hear And I really like the wordplay they're going on Well,
0: it moves away from the tropes, you know, that we were getting in the beginning The stuff that we're used to This is a little bit more relevant This takes us, you know, into a a different place It
1: takes us through stages And and like I said, I mean, even though The overall sense emotionally is frustration with the age He kind of goes deeper in each section
0: By taking you where the frustration lies And calling stuff out Yeah I mean that's that's the thing. At the same time though, I do also have a little bit of a critique with that that this probably does end up being the the preachyest track on this album. It Where is. I didn't see that in the beginning, I do see that here. It's kind of the trade-off. You know, you're going to tell it like it is, you got to be tre- preachy. Um, well, not as big on that, but at the same time it did
2: achieve more. I'm t- I I I enjoyed new. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, I believe this is a concept album. that's a, see, that's a bold statement i see a and concept, i have a feeling yeah. you you might you're going just, to make
0: that claim there's
2: just so much connection between these songs even oh but then again when you look back at the black sabbath discography don't
0: you kind of see that throughout
2: i don't know there's something
0: so specific to this album of uh, versus the rest that you could call this you know a standoutish concept
2: album Maybe not stand outish, but I feel it. It still hits the level of what a concept album would be.
0: Yeah, I guess I can't really all, argue more that more along the it's... old
2: school lines of rock opera, where it was telling a story. This one is more societal oriented, but it's 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 got that kind of rock opera feel to it. I still don't think it has the unifying factor, though. I, I will say that yes, mostly because some of the songs just don't quite mesh the the ideas behind them do, but they don't quite hit the levels to keep the story going right
0: and it doesn't hit the massive climaxes there although there is a little bit of um I don't, don't want to call it pretentiousness necessarily, but it, it's during the outro of this track that we both really weren't that big on there's a solo here where a choir actually joins with the yeah, solo. Yeah, I thought that was odd. Yeah, I mean, it it sort of implies that there is a, you know, the people are speaking this message. Yeah. Not me, not Ozzy, you know, but the people. It's, eh, I'm iffy on choirs. They, they, they're the kind of thing that they either hit you or they don't. It, and when they come, they need to be the kind of thing that, that really does unify people. If you don't unify them, then the choir can seem like, like an elephant in the room. It's just, I thought that... An elephant with many voices. (laughs) It's just, I
1: thought that the choir, I I don't know, I don't think the choir ruined the song, but I don't think it was necessary. I think the song would have been as strong without the choir. It's something to mention. Yeah. But, but I mean, I will, I think we're all in agreement the outro was a little disappointing comparatively to the rest of the song, but, but overall it was a solid song. It wasn't anything terrible by any means, and there were some great messages and imagery in there.
0: No, it had it had the best display of form, I think, in this in this album.
1: And then we yeah. kinda of go into Live Forever, which is
0: and same sort of issues I had mm. with Loner. Yeah. Yeah even to a more extreme degree. Yeah, it, it was forever. worse here than in Loner. I feel. What's really this this solidifies my idea. We were we were arguing over whether you know is the is the beginning of this album better or is the end of the album that's better. I really think it's it's just. There, there, yeah, there's good moments. Yeah, and this one really is a bit of a drag. I I couldn't come up with much to say about this. Me this neither. was the essence of Black Sabbath. that didn't offer anything groundbreaking within Black Sabbath. It was just, you know, yes. re- repetitive riff, fun, yeah. But it was a Black Sabbath track. That it was. was about it. I might have accepted it more in a concert venue.
2: It wasn't yeah. just a repetitive riff. It was borrowed riff. They're borrowing from themselves here, mm. and uh, I can't get on board with that. Well, but thinking about
1: it though, something to be said. They put "Loner" and and "Live Forever" on opposite parts of the album. One in the towards the beginning, one towards the end. If you're gonna put kind of filler tracks, it makes more sense to pepper them throughout the album than just stick them all together and kind of create a chunk of void. You know, at least peppering them through, it kind of moves the album along.
0: It's not great, but it gets you to that next place. Depends. Absurd comparison right here because of the (laughs) difference in genre. But, um, Paramore, (laughs) you know, that that had the clump clump that you're talking about. That was a very long album, 17 tracks. Yeah. And it had the clump that you're talking about. And I almost felt like with the strong tracks that they had at the very end. Yeah it kind of worked. It, it comes back really hard. It almost gives you a breather felt more like a concert experience. Uh, okay.
1: I can see that. I mean, I don't know, I I always like if there's gonna be a, a, a puddle of generic to step in, I'd rather be peppered throughout, but I, I, I can see what you mean with the Paramore album. Interludes work best when spread out. Yeah. And if you I think of these you... generic tracks as kind of like really long interludes...
0: That's not the only example I have. I... I I understand. I think it can work either way depending on how it's done. Call it stage performance, whatnot. I do believe there's a little bit of that that needs to be incorporated even onto studio work. Um, Oh yeah, I agree You have to enhance the experience, you know, the highs and the lows. It needs to be kind of orgasmic to some extent you know I think that's kind of a strong word for this album per se but it 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 needs to be very creative in where you place those highs and lows the peppered throughout can sometimes seem like like it's a little bit forced but I could see like uh... I I feel the hand you know in the in the the aftermath I feel the the selection during the mixing of this album I feel it like, ooh, that's a little weak, let me put that there. Ooh, that's a little strong, let me put it on after. Okay,
2: two things. One, this took 13 years to produce. Was it really, though? 13 years of, of continuous work? 13 years of on and off, going back to it, doing again, going back to it, whittling it down, adding new concepts, yeah. Because it clearly wasn't. I don't think they were 13 years in the studio year-round. It was probably a month here, a month there, and then eventually became something bigger. At the same time... Well, don't get me wrong. Like, this is a... Good album, but it's
0: not a thirteen years in the making epic masterpiece. Well, there album. was
2: also the, a lot of those years where Ozzy was not in a very good place, and also uh, keep it, I know, and I ke- know,
0: and I'm being sensitive to that fact. And, and also I'm keep just in saying, mind, they're
1: not saying that they call this album thirteen because it's a thirteen year epic waiting to come out. It just simply is representing the amount of time that it took them to get the album out. That's it. They went through some. They phases. started it in 2001. It came oh, out in
0: well, 2013. Okay, yeah, then that then it's it's relevant. I'm not. I wasn't making any. Uh, statement like oh it feels rushed you know right. or anything obviously that would be incorrect. it's just you know i i feel i feel the hand of the production master when th- in those cases
2: the other thing i wanted to bring up was for whatever reason not a fan of live forever or loner but i could see this album being played straight through at a concert i could also see loner and live forever getting like Five minute solos thrown in, just for fan service. Just to there were there were even a couple of cool
0: solos in this track, and I I don't want mean to you know put that down. But I could see them actually
2: expanding upon it in a live setting, big time, like hugely. I I accept that too. All all these are good points, and I I this is why I
0: said from the beginning I think some of this would be better in the live experience. Just to throw it out there, they played recently, PNC Center, I believe.
1: Yeah, PNC Bank Art Center.
0: And from what I hear, it was an amazing show. Yeah. So I'm sure they did things exactly like that. Yeah. Um, And th- uh, there's a listener we have. Hi, Larry. He actually went to the show, and he might be able to uh, verify this stuff or, or not verify this stuff for us. Well,
2: but feel free to comment on the website, And at the same time, Live Forever just still wasn't up to stuff.
0: Yeah, I don't think we're going to come
2: yeah, that's up that's the thing.
0: With- yeah, that's-, that's... That's the real point, just to... Just to put a period to the end of the sentence here, live forever. The problem is that the theme itself is too weak. Yes, there are cool solos, but solos don't have much meaning when you don't look at the theme. The reason I'm making the uh, th- my point about the whole concert experience is because it's not as important then. You know, y- you're halfway into the solo and you're just like, man, this is great because they've extended it, they've doubled it, they're doing different things, they're experimenting. You've forgotten what the theme was to some extent. So whenever they wrap it around, it's like, all right, great. But in the short span of a studio album, it doesn't have the same punch.
2: Speaking of punch, Damaged Soul. This had my favorite guitar work of the album. It was the most charismatic, the most attitude-driven, and the most distinct guitar work within the metal framework. And Steve so well, coined this... the
0: term, treachery. Trudgery. Well, the thing is... You know in many places in this album i I would consider it trudgery that sounds as a it uh, sounds like a negative term though it's it's not. part of of the setting they're trying to create of of a a personal plight and going with a lot of the theme that themework that John is talking about here the uh the searching for answers that aspect you hear yeah. that in the guitar here and also uh the same style of this guitar here, and that that, that bass doubling, that's exactly like what we heard in Zeitgeist. So, that makes Zeitgeist seem a lot more connected to the whole, when you consider uh, Damaged Soul. Yeah. Still kind of repetitive, though. A little bit. But, you know, in the same way that the other riffs were repetitive, you know, you
2: just kind of have
0: to accept them, or
2: not. But it was that, that distortion and bending of the guitar back and forth around the words that really, really made this damage, that made me feel that damage he was professing. Now, at the same time, we got almost B-movie lines talking about sin and Mm. death and destruction and being back to the tropes. Satan's laptop. Now, I'm not saying you can't do a song like that, but yeah, it was really trope-heavy on the lyrics. Uh blood-flowing rivers and all that ilk. A lot of rain in this
0: album. Yeah. References to rain. Yeah. Incidentally, that's how it ends.
1: Yeah, that's... And honestly, I really love the way this record ends. I just... I think it's... And I'll I'll get into why when we get to the first record to include rain at the end. I mean, but it's gloom.
2: There's a lot of gloom. Yeah, there's a lot of gloom. And
1: I like... Let's just get into it then, since I don't know that we have anything else to say about Damaged Soul.
2: Ah. no, I can. Go. I actually, I thought this
0: was one of the better solos because of the fact that it had different character to it. Yeah, it, was, it was a lot grittier, using that same you know
2: trudgery. And it had that monstrous outro, and that's yeah. the best way I could do it. It was a big finish. It was a great finish. It really hit levels that a lot of the other outros just couldn't really compare to. It 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 got big. It got really big. Yet to be
0: honest, I think well, it had two solos in a row. Let's um. That drum. Make a point of that. That yeah. drum
2: ish solo followed by the guitar work. Solo. Yeah. Okay. The interesting
0: thing. This is the very interesting thing about the end of the track. I, I don't think we have much to say about the beginning of this track, but the end is really when this uh, track takes off. It's it's the same gritty solo that I described uh, earlier, which is the same part as that drum work. The I think this is where the drummer gets to show off not virtuosity but creativity. Right. He's not shredding if you could use that term for a drum but he does do that to some extent in this particular case he's playing sparsely you know he's over here he's over there it's all about texture that's what I really really enjoy in uh hell music in general to be honest I love explorations of texture because it takes you away from the very rigid uh (laughs) <laughs> treachery of the track you know on one hand you're just moving along and and the drummer's just there to keep with you and do cool things in the interim but at this point he 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 breathes and I love feeling that in, in, in and bec- the fact that he's doing it over the guitar solo yeah. still just as impactful at the same moment because it has that grit to it both going at once is again one of the better moments on this album I, I think to be honest it, it beat the solo that followed it uh, which is the, the big outro solo that you're talking about. I, I preferred the gritty. But I think... Yeah, well, I prefer the gritty also.
1: But I think the larger-than-life outro... You couldn't, you couldn't have ended there. Yeah, you had to you provide had to, something. And, and I this think it was big well, finish was perfect for the tapping the song. Well planned. Yeah. Moving into Dear Father, which also was a track I really liked. This one had this kind of rubbing of the strings intro, which was kind of... Strange, but I don't I don't know that there was supposed to be anything to it other than they just did it. I don't know that you're supposed to really look into that. The song had this kind of forlorn feel, and I thought it was a strong conclusion to the
2: record. I... This was another one of those A, B, C situations where the A really didn't offer anything new. It was a very... Sabbath intro. We've already heard it three, four times on this record.
0: It's like I was at this place with track three, and here I am again at the end. It's like starts off. Oh, yeah, it's Sabbath.
2: It 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 had a it in the beginning. It had a very shallow verse section with the instruments. It it had a great distortion in the chorus that did create apprehension. But shallow
0: instrumental or shara- shallow instrumental. Oh, okay.
2: It it had great apprehension in the chorus. Uh, that distortion that came from damaged souls and was was redefined in dear father but it wasn't really propagated enough in the verse instrumentation or the breakdowns in the beginning of the song it got better and had a really nice playful slide introduction <laughs> <laughs> it got better and it really it has might be the best lyrics on the the the, the album Towards the end, like the the outro of this song, the, the the center core and the outro, really did bring the whole album together. I, I felt like it did a great job of summing it up.
0: Quite a claim there, uh, best lyrics on the album.
2: It was this specific line. Preacher of theocracy, hiding your hypocrisy, under false sanctity, holy phony empathy. I just great. Loved, okay. I love that wordplay.
0: Even if, even if you know, there's anyone out there who doesn't quite buy the meaning or this or that, or the other, it's great writing, and this is this is something that I think I don't see too frequently in a lot of the albums that we review. Is all right, great, great, yeah, you're speaking to me, man. You know, you hear a lot of lyrics in that vein, but you don't hear truly great writing, like using the English language as an instrument of its own, playing rhymes off the other using a lot of alliteration and just making it, it almost within one single phrase or one, one verse having that a, a mini how to put it like a mini story that echoes the track as a whole Okay. the form of that one lyric echoing the form of the entire track I understand and I feel like yeah. that lyric does it yeah, like, I feel that. To It's a greater two lines, extent, it's two
2: measly lines, but it's it's brilliant. To a greater extent, I feel like it actually, right there in that those two lines, punctuates the entire album, and the entire theme of the album just does an amazing job of summing up what they're doing.
1: And that's why I feel like the actual outro, which is just
2: falling rain is really a great way to end the record because it's not just falling rain, it's falling rain a little bit of thunder and church bells. And it's just it it wraps up that kind
1: of haunting, desperate, lonely feeling with this
2: punctuated story. With this with this calling out yeah. nature of the lyrics, it's just it does a great job of finalizing this product. I
1: think it's a great way to conclude the record. Maybe not the best,
2: but definitely a great way. Yeah, that's the whole thing. It wasn't the best song, it really wasn't. But it just had some words. It this really isn't the only part. It just had some words that just really did. I think it just really an up album, the album
0: that requires patience. You really have to wait around for the moments, um, even if the hole isn't going to grab you. That is true. That's very
2: true. Uh, there are parts where you're just going, oh, it's Black Sabbath. Oh, it's metal. But then it yeah. goes into something that just goes just just. just Wait, did I hear that right? Did he say what I said? Think he exactly. said? Did he did he hit those beats? I thought I heard. But let's
1: be clear. Just because their tones are kind of negative, that's not that's not negative. It's incredulous, right? Oh, <laughs> fair. Okay. So for once, I'm not incredulous. But the, the point is, is that their tone dictates. Oh, it's just Black Sabbath. It's Black Sabbath. Yeah. Like
0: it, even the the not as good is still good. Okay. On one hand, yes. When it comes to solos, of course, yes. They're very skilled uh, guitarists in there. Um, the drummer, session musician, they got very skilled. No one is questioning virtuosity, But I, I, I do have an issue with writing here and there on this, on this right. album. Uh, which I think is a fair write, judgment. Writing, like, there are certain riffs here and there which I just think are not that good. They can sometimes feel like... Like hand-selected from any metal album throughout the 80s. Right. You know, you could take them, you could write them in a minute, you repeat them for the rest of the song, and then, yes, you can do creative stuff around that. But you provided yourself with a very easy framework to work with. This is only in some cases, not in all cases here.
2: I think that's partially because after taking such a long hiatus, they want to make sure everybody knew it was Black Sabbath. Agreed. They wanted to it, this is it has a slight aspect of fan service. And
1: if they it it definitely does. And if does. they have intend to do an, another album in a shorter period of time after this one? I would love
2: to see where it goes.
1: Right, because this might have been a reintroduction and the next album will be that evolution that we're looking for maybe. That's what I always love to
2: Hopefully it's not called 14 for. and takes 14 years to make. Hopefully it's called next Tuesday or something like that, and we just get something great from Ozzy. Well, if that's the case, he'll be in his 80s. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, with any luck, it comes out in a year or two. That ago. said, we haven't mentioned this.
0: Ozzy's voice really doesn't sound any different than it had 30 uh, We did 30 mention years it ago. earlier. Did we mention it? But, this? yeah,
2: no, he really... Hits, I, I had, he's I had
0: said that he was at the top of his game, but... Um, oh, he absolutely is. I he his really, voice I really great. hear nothing different. No, yeah, he's, he's Ozzy. Yeah, he his has voice
2: not changed. His voice That's, changed
1: that. from the very early Black Sabbath years to the mid Ozzy years, like the early Ozzy solo years. But after that, his voice stayed the same. Right, his, his he, voice has not changed
0: since. And he I'm sorry, but Zeitgeist epitomizes uh, that, that very specific, skill. the specific skill that he has and the emotion behind it. Because let's face it, even though the skill was there in a lot of these tracks, I wouldn't hear the emotion in every single instance. Sometimes it would just be. Uh, more exposition, you know, describing the lyrics in a, in a very virtuosic manner. Well, not virtuosic. It's it's the Aussie ri- brand of of virtuosity, but right. One of Ozzy's two defining skills.
1: The other is biting the heads off of small animals. Uh, of course,
2: that's not uh-huh. very no. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's terrible. Uh-huh. He wears mascara like a
0: god. That's true. <laughs> that's a strong one, but um, but yeah, yeah. You know, it's the emotion that really grabs me and I think yeah. that and it's are, there there's, there are melodies that he writes here and there and Zeitgeist is certainly my favorite melody on this record and for as much as I go on about instrumentation I'm sorry but melody sometimes can be the core and soul yeah. of an entire track absolutely and this album well, is very emotional it should be by all means but in many cases it's not let's face <laughs> it. it sometimes people write shitty melodies it happens yeah
1: but, but for me, like, also with this, this album, it's an emotional album, but for different reasons. It's not, it's not overwhelmingly personally emotional. I feel like it's more of an emotional record where it brings you into this
2: movement that this album's going through. And, and you become a part of something. And uh, that's where I would like to start my wrap-up. Because I mentioned it earlier, I felt there was a concept growing here. And the concept, I, I, I feel like it's dual... It's the journey that Ozzy went through, and it was very publicized. We saw him in some fairly dark years uh, over this past decade and a half. He went through stuff.
0: Uh, society loves to take a, a fairly unique and seemingly off-the-wall character and, and posting them everywhere. But... it's it's.
2: We, we know that a lot of this is true because of what his family has said, is what yeah. is he has said. He's gotten himself cleaned up, and I feel like he's working out his demons on this album. the same time, I feel like he's using it as a forum to comment on what we've been doing for since 2000. Where we're going, what freedoms we're giving up, what ideas we're accepting as the norm that we shouldn't be. Mm. I feel like there's enough of that in this album to really call it a concept album. And while musically, it's not the highest of levels, but it's really darn good. The worst parts are merely average of this album. Like, Loner. Loner is really the worst song, in my opinion, and it's a three-star song. It's a very take-it-or-leave-it type song, and nothing really hits three-star other than that. So... I might push
0: uh loner and live forever in the two reigns to be honest, there's very mm-hmm. little
2: I feel like they're good enough to be on any metal album yeah, and but who wants to be on any metal album that's so, okay that's is the thing you
0: know I walk through a lot of record stores and sometimes you see the metal section it's sometimes the biggest section in the store because there are so so many bands came out of. Late eighties, nineties, and still to this day, although not quite as many, that wanted to follow in that subculture, as it were, the the very gritty, off the wall, thrashing, enjoying the power of music as opposed to just you know the melodies or this or that. You or know, trying
2: to get a point across. Mostly a, not being a
0: pansy. Let's exactly. Put it that way. Yeah. That that's what that's the well, I guess the popular impression of a lot of metal. And the fact of the matter is when you have that much of an influx, it becomes so, it, it makes you believe that anybody can do it. And the fact of the matter, there is only a, there's only a few greats out there that have managed to achieve that and really give you those bone-chilling moments. A lot of the smaller guys, they're just out there to have fun. There's nothing wrong with that. It's great in a local band setting. But as you go through these record stores, you look from one cover to the other, and it's just, you know... Biblical theme after biblical theme after biblical theme after like this is where we get the idea of tropes, and then you listen to the music work and it's just, you know, rehashed of the guy who came before, and then yeah. the guy who came before that. Well, that's because it's endless that's line.
2: content. That's really the, what it boils down to: content and ability to write lyrics. Yeah, and here content. I'm really enjoying the content. I'm really enjoying what they're trying to say. And I'm really, really enjoying the reinvigoration of Black Sabbath lyrics. Because that was one of their best qualities from day one. Was their the their smithing? I gotta give this album... I was gonna rate it so much lower until I really picked apart the words. I gotta give it a four. It is a four-star album. This really is a... It's a really solid, great metal album. It's not awe-inspiring, world-changing, but it's damn good.
1: For me, I mean, going to this album, I had heard a few people talk about it, and they were like, "Ah, it's Sabbath, you know, whatever, which I got a sense of, but for me, I put this album on expecting to hear Black Sabbath, and lo and behold, it's exactly what I heard. You know, there were some defining, bone-chilling moments. Zeitgeist, hands down, we all agree, is what is the song on the record. It's it's bone-chilling. The lyrics are great. The melody is great. The 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 fact that it's so different from everything else makes it stand out, which makes it the perfect paradigm on the album. That I like every track though. Loner and and Live Forever are forgettable, but not because they're bad, not cuz they're great. They're just okay. They're okay tracks. I disagree, Steve. I don't think they're two tracks. I think that they're three, they're average, they're just like any, you know, other average band we've talked about, the kind of skill level that those, in fact, I think there's still more skill level here than half of the average artists we've reviewed. However, getting to the point of the wrap up, because we've kind of talked to death how we feel about the record. We always talk to death, though. Yeah, well, that's also true. There are no finer points I can bring up than Ozzy's at the top of his game. Vocally, he's never sounded better he just sounds as good as he always has. So, I mean, that's enough to take me through this record and make me enjoy it. On top of the great solos, and then the good solos, and the fun drumming. I mean, you're right. The drummer had moments of pep here and there, and then they splashed water on him on a track or two where he really took off. That really engaged you. I'm with John, but I think I liked it a little more. I'd give it a 4.1. I think it's a little better than a 4. I really liked it. You know, the, 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 the tracks that you think are twos, I don't think are bad enough to drag it down for me. I wanted Black Sabbath, and I got it. And then I got some more of that with Zeitgeist and parts of Dear Father and Damaged Soul. So uh, it's a 4.1 for me.
0: All right. Well, it comes down to this. This album, it has a lot of fan service. And I did not come into this expecting Black Sabbath to stop being Black Sabbath. They made their name that way. Why should they stop being Black Sabbath? Um, I, that said, though, there are a lot of people who really do push the boundaries in their career and and constantly are looking for different ways to reinvent themselves here or there or taking the theme work that has defined them and moving that in a different direction. And that's just what's a little bit lacking here. So, yes, in that sense, it is average. But there are a couple of other little things that bother me, and that really does come down to uh, the music writing in the the main verses, chiefly in the verses, um, some of the choruses. And it's just that I find a lot of them to be kind of trivial, I guess, in the grand scheme of things. They're not... They don't move me in the same way that a lot of other metal music has moved me. It does, like... You know, a little bit of give and take. It doesn't quite have the power that a lot of other music has, but it also doesn't quite have the level of emotion. This is what I mean by writing. It's not that, the, not that the technicality itself is out, although actually in some cases I do think they could have done a lot more with certain ideas. So actually, even the technicality itself is a little bit subpar, even for Black Sabbath. Again, I can't not compare it against the big, i think that's where we're really gonna we started off by saying you know it's impossible but who says it's impossible it's not the, i i know they're capable of war pigs i know they're capable of uh, iron man it's just i i wanted in some sense the modern equivalent which could be absolutely nothing like that i don't want a rehash of those two tracks but i want i wanted something that still kind of exploded but what's to say zeitgeist wasn't that thing
1: Zeitgeist. Because those ins- tracks were single tracks on
0: albums that. That. Like, <laughs> they those were the standard tracks on those albums. Agreed. Well, I've never looked back and rated those albums. So that, that's, that's a moot point. When it comes down to it, yes, Zeitgeist is incredible. And there are other moments of other tracks that are incredible. I also do agree with John. The theme work, the idea is incredible. When, I think that if it was not for those things, this would be a lot more in the lower threes, because it does have those things, it push it in the upper threes for me. But there's just a lack of cohesion for you know, from one track to the next. It's just can't I can't give it a four. I I need to give it three point nine. I was gonna rate it lower, to be honest. This is this is as bad as I I can't bring it to a four.
2: Acceptable.
1: So the overall wrap up rating is four stars. Uh, yeah, averages out of four stars, definitely listen to it. Don't miss this album. If you're a metal fan, and especially if you're a Black Sabbath fan, definitely go listen to this record. If you're a Black Sabbath fan, go buy it. You're going to like it. <laughs> yeah.
2: If, you if like you're a like Black it.
1: Sabbath fan, just go buy the record. Hey. If you're a fan of metal in general, definitely listen to it. Even if you're not a fan of metal, check it out. I mean, I was listening to it with Sarah over the weekend, and she's not really a huge metal fan, and she actually really liked the record. Well, neither am I. To be honest, I'm not a big metal fan. But it had enough to pull you in.
2: Yeah. I, I'll be I'll be frank. Not I thought re- you were John. I'll be frank this time. <laughs> I'm not hugely into this album. I I there are instances that are just great. You're the making concessions is great. concessions for the poetry and and the big theme. time for the poetry. I'm the I'm theme. hooked on these lyrics, and that was the big thing yeah. that really made Black Sabbath Black Sabbath and made makes bands hit the next level. For me, was always been the poetry they're able to infuse. Well, yeah, I think
0: well, to be honest, you know what really would have. Pushed it to the fore for me. It, 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 it's if the music matches it. Zeitgeist is just one track.
2: It matched it beautifully there. It was, there it, are, it was a
0: wonderful five star. track And there's
2: just parts in the other songs where they finally hit that meshing point. Exactly parts,
0: right. parts, and sometimes not even. Sometimes I hear it just in the words and not in the music at all. The music is still very much akin to Black Sabbath's usual stuff. It's just them rocking out. It's
2: fun, but there's a, there's a, I want the it factor. Okay. Well, that's acceptable, and that is our wrap up. So yeah, go buy it. Just go buy it. It's Aussie. (laughs) Next section. We talked about this last week.
0: I want to discuss,
2: and and Steve jumped on this big time when I was in the car driving here, and he was all like, "Oh, that's a great idea," and I was like, "Yeah." Miracle, we hadn't thought of it earlier. Yeah. How are instruments treated by the by genres? And even to some extent by, you know, people in general. What do we see when we look at an instrument? When we hear a tone struck, are we automatically going to hear, you know, a a clicking noise and think, oh, that's part of rock and roll? Are we going to hear a riff and think, that drum has to be jazz? Right. And can we accept it when it's not in that framework? And that's a big, big aspect of music is... We call genres genres because they all sound a specific way because of the instruments they're using.
0: Sometimes because of the instruments they're using and sometimes because of the way the instruments are played. I think that's going to be the point of contention during this as we go through the instruments. We went through an intro last week. I want to forego that completely. I want to jump right into the thick of this and start throwing out instruments and discussing them. Violin. I was just gonna pick it. This is
2: the this is the be all end all instrument because of what the violin Well we end up booking end bookending
0: this discussion with the violin.
2: Because the violin's got a bunch of cousins associated with it everywhere from the upright cello and the upright bass to the fiddle. The violin at its core is something special.
0: I'll give a little history here. We know it as a classical instrument primarily. First of all, orchestras are composed of bunch of violins. Many of them in a row, because there's something about when the way they combine, it's, it's a beautiful mid-range to high sound that just sounds so epic when doubled and doubled and doubled again. It, it's, there's something about the string, when bowed across it uh, using horsehair, that it's meant to mimic the human voice. Yeah. It sounds, so when you have an orchestra, it's meant to mimic a choir. And then when you have solo violinists, it's meant to mimic... A single person singing, which is why there's so much and that's why that you I think that chill goes down our spine when we hear a violin in anything, a single violin playing over a general moderate background music thing you 're not meant to focus on anything else except the violin at that point it 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 grabs you by the throat almost you know you can barely even speak after it's heard, and that's truly why I think it's
1: very well utilized in in the b- rock bands that are out now that use it properly. And, uh, I mean, one of the bands that I've always listened to that really used, I think, the violin in a proper way in a rock setting is Blocktober. They used it like that. It wasn't in the background kind of just disappearing. It was the singer stops singing, the violinist gets a violin solo that mimics this style of singing right?
0: that suits now, the song. And here's what? the thing. I, nah, nah, nah. I think that modern rock music is not so different from classical in that regard. I think they want to use violin in the same exact way that classical used it. They want it to grab you. But the one thing that throws it all asunder is country. Because when you hear a violin as a fiddle, as the reason we seem to call it a whole different instrument. I have had so many people over the years ask me, what's the difference between a fiddle and a violin? Nothing. It's the way it's played. And that's what it, it, it seems to almost shatter this argument. Because there's something about when a fiddle is played that is just, It's contrary. It's not like a single person singing. It it's it's a jig. It's a dance. I see feet on the floor. I don't I don't see a a, a,
2: a soloist calling out in longing. But that's that's something. I I feel like that longing has been the, the focus of what rock and roll does with the violin. Go back to Eleanor Rigby by the Beatles. That was when violin became a rock instrument. That song and it's really and that's a classical uh. Yeah, and it's very melodramatic. It's very sad. It, that's that's what violin became for the longest of times. Something like Blue uh, Blue October, or that uh, some someone we talked about last year, Flobots, Circle in the Square, Circle in yeah. the Square replaced the guitar with a violin. That conceptually is a brand new idea. No one did that on such a macro scale of an album. Those are the oddities.
0: But I'm not most even sure time. that's an oddity because when you consider it, the guitar is like the rock
2: equivalent of a violin from the get go. No, but using allowing the violin to take that step is different because for the most part, from Elmore B- Rigby to like Bittersweet Symphony, the violin can do two things: it can be sad, it can be love, and it's hard for it. it it's not really readily allowed to break that framework. Except it's in country, th- well, I mean, I'm sp- it- talking specifically rock and roll. Okay, all right. Talking all right. Within, within rock and roll, within that, within right, rock we'll and roll, they first. don't. It doesn't get allowed. Not not often enough.
0: Um, and
2: yeah, in country, well, it can really only be fast and high, strung and high chords and excitement. You know, even in
0: even in classical, it was able to hit the exciting for a while. Bella Bartok used to use um, "Flight of the Bumblebee." Everybody well, can immediately yeah, of course, even that, of that. that as well.
2: And that's the perfect example of a violin being energy, pure and simple. Not
0: Bella Bartok, by the way, but a, a more pop, well-known example by the Bumblebee, certainly. Um, I'm drawing from yeah. my very limited knowledge of classical music. Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, and, and it's true. It, there would seem to be, I think the folk tradition wanted the violin... Used for a more fun purpose because the folk tradition comes from small towns. That's why we call it folk—the folk people, you know, people who live in little hamlets here and there. And, the and what what are, what, are, what what do they do for fun? They, like traditionally, going back hundreds of years, they come. They together. come together, and, you know, in a great hall. They have a nice big dinner and they dance. Like then they this, have community-oriented was... thing, and exactly. high
2: energy promotes a sense of community. That's that's how it translated through the ages. Yeah, it's um.
0: It it's interesting that it's violin the last... I was able to take that turn. Yeah,
2: it's only the last 60, 70 years the violins would, was used outside of classical setting. That's true. And folk. That that's it really true. got well, that new was... blood.
0: Jazz had never really discovered the violin in the early Swing. 20th century. Swing didn't have it. Modern jazz does have violin. Well, yes, of modern, course. modern anything has anything. And that's yeah. why that's why we're having this discussion now, is because it seems to be so relevant. Let's put the violin on hold for a minute do you have anything
2: else to say on it no but i have our i want to talk about our next instrument okay
0: drums percussion first of all in the in the families of instruments here violin is of course part of the string family and and in many ways to discuss those other instruments are just to discuss it in different registers like you know for an upright bass you, you picture more of a, a a large baritone man so it's, it's relevant here but percussion is very very interesting because. The timbre of percussion is all about striking. It's actually a very violent affair, when you consider in almost every single instance. But it doesn't have to be if you strike it just a little bit. The thing is that as you go across a song that has a lot of percussion in it, it holds you. It is probably the only thing that can hold you because of that striking, even when it is very, very soft. It's the only thing that keeps tempo without drums it's actually very hard to keep tempo and I think that's the thing that turns, way, turns people away from a lot of classical music is because they don't have that tempo to, to hold them you you really... know? They, the instruments are keeping tempo with a conductor who's a silent man standing in front of all of them <laughs> and you have to feel the percussive nature of those other instruments as they're mimicking percussion but you can't ignore a drum A drum is always the elephant in the room.
2: But the whole thing is, I feel like because of how primal a drum can be, because of how integral a drum is in modern genres, that when you create jazz, when you create rock, when you create pop, you have a drum to work with, a drum tone, a specific area that you can actually do with the drum. And this is my one... And it's really pigeonholed.
0: It is pigeonholed. This is my one big
1: problem with This is why drum, drum machines
0: exist. They created a computer program to do what drums do because they're so pigeonholed.
2: There is a rock drum setting. There is a hip-hop drum setting.
0: Yeah. Jazz drum setting. All these different things. The, the rock drum setting... Uh, well, setting. <laughs> rock drum... Beat. Beat. Or... or make the five drum set, right? You yeah. got this has been in place since the 50s and long before, but we it seemed it's the pigeonholing I think started in the 50s with early rock. You know, it was just a nice easy thing for everyone to attach themselves because uh, you got everything you need really. You got your bass drum. All right, there. That that's bass. Uh you got your you got your tom-toms. That's more for the mid-range stuff. The snare adds a little bit of echo, right? And then the crash cymbal, well who can ignore a crash cymbal, and the hi-hat, which is a little bit more of a controlled cymbal, because you can actually, you know, patter it instead of just BAM, (laughs) you know, and you don't really move out of that, for a really long time, But even, even cross genres, metal kind of adopted the same exact thing, and they used it, you know, alone for a while, and then finally, metal decided to get absurd, and they would they would double everything that I mentioned, yeah. and then some, which gives you
1: absurd Double numbers. and triple bass drums, which are just ridiculous. Or
2: mm. bands with multi-drummers. Yeah, some bands mm. have Another two big drummers. Right. Uh, but the this whole... is why
0: I really enjoy the last 20 years of drum work, because they've explored all the other things that drums can do. The well, texture, just they as I was different.
2: describing earlier with Black uh, Sabbath. But the whole thing is, a drum is in every style of music we're working in now just about drums are everywhere but you can always tell the difference between a rock drum a hip-hop drum and a pop drum you can hear it by itself and you will be able to guess fairly accurately what type of music it's going to make
0: in fact this is one of the reasons um because drum is so prevalent nowadays it's actually the in my opinion the only reason why uh more pop oriented people have been able to dip their toes back into classical is because it's becoming very common now for a uh, single classical instrumentalists very well-known virtuosos, you know, whether no matter what they're good on, if it's the violin, they'll play an amazing violin solo with maybe sometimes a backing orchestra, but what's going to be over it. <laughs> it's you know, this is so common. It to some extent it can be a little bit tacky. Because it's like superimposing pop with classical. It's like, eh, let's see what happens when they match together. But it can also be very creative. The only problem is that like, it, it, I do have an issue that modern society seems to require drums. Like, period.
1: Well, also, like, I like it when, going back to what John said about having multiple drums being also a very modern thing. There are some bands that even have different forms of percussion within the same band. I. e. for example, Guster uses a drum set and a bongo set.
0: And that makes a very different sound. That was the most standoutest thing on this record, Zeitgeist. Yeah. Was so, having yeah. that, that was different that little, kind of little, little bongo and a wood block, right? This yeah. is like this, That's 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 I mean, the I, baffling I, thing. That why drums should have been pigeonholed for so I, long. I need, They're so flexible.
2: I, I, I need more cowbell. <laughs> yeah, like that was innovative when they started using a cowbell. Like, yeah. it's kind of a shame, but I have to be honest. No, it's a sh- it is a shame ch- that someone
0: should look at that as as, as groundbreaking.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. just shows how it's pigeonholed it's,
0: of, it's drums, the drum set has been.
2: It's it's you know what it it's sad that we really do gear ourselves towards certain sounds just of a, of a, the drum to make certain genres of music. Well, but at the same time... I think time, it comes down to the fact that humans are creatures of comfort. Yeah. But at the same time, there are certain drummers out there who are just divine gods that can take the framework of punk and turn it into something that's just pure magic with the drums.
0: These are the cross-genre people. These are the people who who borrow from one influence, and then they're like, you know what, I, 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 I'm done with the genre. I'm going to leave it for a while, but I'm going to use that influence and join... A whole other band. You know, a band with other instrumentalists who are used to a whole different kind of thing. Or this they is can how even, we get the most innovative stuff s- in music. They can
2: even stay within their genre and just know how to experiment. Exactly. It's, it's really all about having a good ear.
0: About listening to what your, your writers are doing. Because often uh, the drummer is not writing the music. But it's, it's, it's being intuitive. Well, that's why also I think like a band like Slipknot was
1: kind of so harshly receptive in the beginning. Because their first record, they had a drummer. Then they had a guy who just banged on pots and pans. Then they had a guy who had a bongo, I believe. Like, they had multiple percussionists that weren't just there to keep time of the song. That's why, besides their big single, Wait and Bleed, which was very radio-friendly and kind of just had a percussion beat, some of their other songs were kind of more off the wall and kind of all over the place. Which, if you could embrace it, you heard something very different and very unique. Some people were just like, oh, this is crap because... To them it was
0: noise because they didn't know what to do with it it's all about executing it you know tastefully is really what it comes down to um i'm all for bringing in even other like throwing in like a timpani you know the the most epic deepest drum sound that actually was used in the classical stage and bringing that into rock music not every not every rock musician has a timpani on hand though you know that's sometimes
2: logistics i would i would love to see a picture of that
0: oh it's, it's it's a kettle drum that's just another. Oh, word one for of kel- those. Yeah, it's
2: kettle drum. Or, Huge. Well, you know, you know, what's one of the coolest aspects of of uh, New York. Subways. We have a great subway system. You ever been down there? Oh yeah. And this, I'm speaking to the. I'm not speaking to you guys. I'm speaking to the the listener. Right. Yeah. I know most of the people who listen to us are probably New York area or city oriented area. There's something really magical about a dude with a water can, and a cement mixing can, and a pair of sticks doing something special on the drums.
0: I agree, and it also has to do with acoustics, because, man, when they're doing it down the subway, there's something very special about the, the, the acoustics of the subway system. Because how often do you get to play in an area that has a seemingly infinite long tunnel, yeah. <laughs> you know, and a and thousands upon thousands of steel beams hanging down? When you're playing, I'm talking about the performers who are right not on a mezzanine, right there on the subway platform yeah. itself. You know, and just to hear it echo across, across one, four sets of tracks, you know, off to the other side, it, off every single beam, it's astounding. One
1: of my favorite things to hear in the subway was this was years ago. I don't think it was recently. I think it was a couple years ago. I was on, it was one of the larger platforms, so think 34th Street or 42nd Street, where there's like four tracks and two exactly. different sides. I'm on one end, and there's a saxophone player on the other far end at the opposite end. The way the sound echoed through the entire tunnel. It almost sounded like multiple saxophone players.
2: And I think you just chose our next instrument. Yeah, that was, that's perfect because the and saxophone... is was because gorgeous. We, we, all right,
0: we've touched a string. We've touched, a, uh, we touched percussion. Now let's touch a woodwind. Although saxophone is a very interesting one because it's actually a combination brass woodwind, and woodwind. woodwind. Brass? It's woodwind because there's actually a reed. You know, right. Most brass, uh, pour, it's actually just a tube at the end and they have yeah. to kind of purse their lips in order to do it.
2: You go up but, against the thing and you kind of like make out with it and it's just... Mah.
0: Exactly. And it's very it's very disgusting, actually. It's very spitty.
2: Well, <laughs> the woodwinds would be... That's why they have the, spit traps. The clarinet right. and the saxophone being the two most prolific. Now, a saxophone, specifically the standard sax, not the multi-sax we the got into last week, but the, the standard regular sax that everybody thinks of, I feel like... Okay. This is pigeoned to jazz, in my opinion. No, I feel like a saxophone can't be anything but sensual. Sensual or romantic, Okay,
0: yeah. I've heard this, um... Especially from... Women. I'm just gonna go out and say that. You know, no no degree of sexism, but without... Well, with, that's, without I, dodging around the... I, every single woman who I've ever met says that their favorite instrument is the saxophone.
2: And I'm sorry think, to any listener who that's not the case for.
0: It's just... I'm astounded by
2: this prevalence. I think think that's primarily because not a single male has ever bought a Kenny G album. (laughs) There's that.
0: Well, again, that's presuming that you think Kenny G is the um, epitome of saxophone play. Yeah, but
2: that's what most people think. Soprano
0: sax—it's a really weird looking thing.
2: Anyway, saxophone. I mean, it's just the sounds a saxophone can make. Outside of jazz, is usually relegated to the deeper, more rumbly noises. Which just pur. Well, yeah. I think actually, about. I actually
0: think because the range is so high, like pr- the range is pretty high for a single-lined instrument. That is to say, something you can't play, you know, multiple notes on like a piano. Yeah, it, it it can go pretty high and pretty low. I think it's that that dynamic quality that enables it to be so sensual.
1: Well, think about like one of our best examples of the most cliche form of saxophone. The the intro track to Robbie Williams' record that we reviewed earlier this year, or that was last year, whenever that was. Alright. That you didn't 32. Li- <laughs> you didn't like that saxophone because it was gimmicky, but it, the fact that it was quintessential saxophone at, is what made it gimmicky. That, it may, it had have, this that may have very well been the first track, I think. Yeah.
0: But, so but you, you want to verify that, audience? Yeah, episode thirty-two. Uh, take the crown by Robbie Williams. Very first track. I forget the name of the track, but um, yeah, it threw it in. It threw and, it in kind of, and
1: all it was there to do was be sensual and
0: romantic. That was the only purpose. It's and that's I think where I really take issue with it. It's just like it, it was very cliche use. Exactly. It's 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 like proving
2: the rule. I yeah. want exceptions to the rule,
0: yeah. and that was you know almost to like slap you in the face.
2: But here's here's the other thing that I've noticed with what saxophone I know of, if it's working with the melody, it's not allowed to hit high notes because of the jarring nature. Is this presuming
0: a, that the saxophone is the melody or that there's another melody that the saxophone is uh, playing either it, over?
2: It, it's, it's playing with the melody. Now in jazz, when okay. a saxophone goes solo, I mean, it goes solo. It, it, it will reach amazing heights. Anybody knows Rhapsody in Blue. It's magic. It can do such amazing emotional feelings. But you know what? When it's actually trying to mesh up with other instruments, it just can't reach those same heights. That's funny. Saxophone wasn't the most standout instrument to me in Rhapsody in Blue. Actually, that that was what I really I think, latched on during the Rhapsody. There's,
0: well, there's a lot of instruments for Rhapsody in yeah. Blue. I'm curious to know what section that was. That's something to talk about afterwards. <laughs> Maybe post in a comment. But, hmm. That's one application and yet when i'm thinking about sax i'm thinking about the jazz gods and there's only one name that comes to mind and that's john coltrane of course john coltrane in my opinion is the idol for any saxophone player out there he is the singular virtuoso and i'm sorry but when he's playing you shut up
2: like <laughs> you just listen to but him but that's what i'm saying it's it's jazz that's jazz. Jazz allows... Uh, it I'm, allows a degree of flexibility because I wouldn't
0: say that every single note that he played was always sensual. Yes, maybe the main theme is sensual, but we talked about this last week during the Chick Corea, uh, album. You album, know, that jazz has sometimes very brief themes and very long solos. And over the course of that solos, you're probably going to hit a lot of emotional... Uh, a lot I mean, of emotions, period.
2: Just the piercing nature of the saxophone can be angry. But I think the saxophone... yeah. I think the
1: saxophone more so than Angry maybe, love. <laughs> more so than maybe the violin, when it's used in anything but jazz, is very pigeonholed and very cliche. Yes. I mean, there's not a lot of examples I that's, can think of where the, the saxophone thing. stands out. Like, think about even the '80s songs, like "Who Can It Be Now." Like, the saxophone <laughs> is all it's doing is
0: mimicking the, the lyrics. That's it. That, you know, you just mentioned a really strange one because I, for some reason, accepted it. In, uh, in Men at Work. So do I. I accepted it, but it's still not being very... I'm very glad you brought that up. It's not being very unique. it's, it's, it's it mimicking the lyrics. It's true. At the same... I don't know. Maybe it had something to do with the, uh, the way was, in which um, Men at Work's stuff was mixed. Well, and also think about Men it at had, Work... It had a... I, I think this is important for saxophone. Reverb. Yeah. In other words, you need to have it needs to sound like it's in a, like a hall or something. It, it, a, a saxophone cannot sound constricted, otherwise, I feel like you're you're missing the whole point of including. But I
1: think it. also, even though it was kind of cliche and meant it worked, the reason it worked for that was because they were purposely mi- mimicking the lyrics. They were permi- permanently, uh, p- uh, There's also purposely mimicking the lead singer. Those peas oh, okay. really started messing I'm, with you. I then. need to I need <laughs> to go to sleep. <laughs> p- is p- what's p- happening here. So well.
0: I got I got I got
2: our next one and this is one I didn't uh, I want to go into the brass section. All right. Trumpet. Trumpet's the one you picked out because All right. the trumpet Well, it's the most well, no. well, it's the most common and it's got a bunch of dual natures. It it's got a very distinct sound. It's one of the most distinct sounding instruments in an orchestra because there's just so much range it has and it's so high pitched. It's immediately recognizable or the brass in general, tends to be very immediately recognizable. But I want to compare ska and jazz, and they are really the ones that prolifically use the trumpet.
0: If we're going to look at the big ones, let's take Louis Armstrong, then. Yeah. He's the one we all know from jazz.
2: But what you find with the trumpet and ska is, yeah, sometimes it becomes more of a melody instrument, but it's one of the few instruments that, while doesn't hit a lot of genres, is used the same way. It's given freedom. Well, uh, well, that's a very interesting point, because considering we just
0: followed up the saxophone, I feel that the saxophone has a little bit more freedom than the trumpet, believe it or not. Problem- I think the trumpet, because it sounds... is it. It's derived from a fanfare, like a bugle. It yeah. has an inherent military feel to it, which I feel... It that a, is best served in the company of other instruments it has playing a, in tandem
1: the thing about the trumpet is that it doesn't have as much a range as something like a saxophone you can True. make a lot more notes and tones with a saxophone than you can in with fact, a trumpet the trumpet's the, got three buttons that's it well and it's the mixing
2: can, of them you can hold them at different heights and everything right like that. but still, no, but I, I i
0: agree with you I'm, I'm pretty sure that's accurate i'll i'll double check that but i don't think it has the same range it does have range in a different way yeah loudness right it has a lot more volume than the saxophone well because it's based on how hard you're breathing no or how much wind yeah. you're putting through it, it. yes and just the shape of the instrument yeah. itself it's a horn it yeah. it, it punches out there yeah. this is the reason that they in orchestras they they uh, position the entire brass section far behind the, everything the, else. Everything else, especially the uh, the uh, the orchestra, the violins, and everybody else, right in front. Because otherwise, they would blow their ears out. Yeah. they're actually and they hold their their trump. They hold the uh, the bugle, the horn, in the upper position, so it actually acts as an arc to go yeah. straight over them and into the audience. It's just, it's a powerful instrument. Well, and the I entire would say that in ska, is, the trumpet
1: would be less prolific than the trombone. I feel like the trombone had more
0: range because of the, the trump- slide. No, I think it has tr- more dynamic capability. Oh, dynamic. Okay.
2: And the trombone was more towards melody work as opposed to the excitement a trumpet can create it doesn't always mesh with melodies. That's that's a big thing. It's a punctuating instrument. It's a it's a rash instrument to get, when you get right down to it. Yes. Uh-huh. It's it has one mode, and its mode is very, very big. Unless you throw something over the actual cover. Unless you mute that's
0: it. it. you mute it. And a lot of modern composers, you know, do a, a lot of other crazy things to any instrument. You know, there's a modified this, modified that. Um, pre-prepared this prepared piano. Well, it's just like there's one.
1: electric violins now that ha- that are built right. differently.
0: You still use the same bow, but the construct of a vi- electric violin. They kind of they can of be, an open they, framework. Can, they can, yeah open frame because you don't need a resonance chamber within the violin when you have an electric. It's, it's electric, and yeah. you can
2: actually change that resonance on the violin itself. Yeah. It's a very inter- interesting. Take on that instrument, and I've heard some amazing things.
0: Vanessa May. Uh, yeah, did, yeah. Uh, Look oh. her up on YouTube. Uh, by the way, she's she's an example of one of those um, uh, violinists virtuosos Better who usually combine their work <laughs> classical music with pop themes. And well, actually, I shouldn't say pop theme, but a, a pop backbeat. You know, I've seen her
2: do very a, common of um, um, uh, every genre, just about. She's done a lot,
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, I have to say, but tr- there's a lot to say about tr- but I'm almost not done
2: yet. Really? Well, this all right. is, no, this no, is, I, I don't want to spend too long because I want to get as much in here as possible. Here's here's the last one I want to suggest. And the reason I'm going to suggest it is because it is probably the most iconic instrument, the guitar. And the reason I want to talk about the guitar is that the guitar has more variations than anything I know. And that's I feel because, like... Well,
0: first of all, that's because we are a product of the 21st or late 20th century and... But the guitar is an instrument that's changed to fit genres. It does seem very adaptable, but is that just because of the trend, perhaps? That someone, you know, it it started by changing, and they just figured, well, let's change it more. Let's change it more, because...
2: Well, it becomes a chicken or egg, What what was created first, rock and roll or the electric guitar? Uh, the guitar.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah,
2: and the reason rock and roll was created is because the electric guitar created a true first unique sound in what? I don't know, how many centuries?
0: It uh, was a, it was something
2: bit. new. I mean, the guitar's been around since, like, the mandolin. Yeah, but the guitar's still... Like, there's, well,
0: a, there's a rich history there, which I think we'll go into at some other point, but I it's, mean, it, the it, it goes back to medieval days, you know, the lutes, um, all those other instruments.
1: It's one dulcer. of those instruments
0: that we could talk
1: about forever. I mean...
2: But the electric guitar, and to a lesser extent, the bass have been, I mean, they couldn't even just stop at making the instrument. When they wanted to create a new sound that became new genres, they added things like the foot pedal and different reverbs and all sorts of just... Yeah, but the bass On the whole,
0: like, the Spanish guitar, the classical guitar, were meant to achieve a a little bit more of a sadder end or a pining for the woman as opposed to just showing off in front of her. That's what the electric guitar really uh, brought to the stage. I mean, when you're standing, all of that, the the Elvis, the Elvis uh, epic, as it were.
2: Yeah, but But, I mean, also the... I'm saying, it was, it was a car, I'm I'm just saying, it, it was, the instrument was made to fit genres. Or they experimented with it and developed genres about what they did to it. The whammy bar that created whole new types of music by itself that's the ultimate show off this
0: is i mean this is where i think we get the masturbation on stage which is isn't even referred to i have never heard that referred to in any other instrument except the guitar yeah the guitar solos are basically that Yeah. Um, that it invented the superstar no one had been a superstar with any other in- you're not going to i'm sorry but you're not going to be a, a a superstar with with an upright bass it's impossible well, you can be you can be no. Profoundly respected, as we as own. we encountered last week. But. Well,
1: also it was like the lead singer was usually the focus, but with the invention of the electric guitar, you were able to kind of pull focus from the
2: lead singer. Or you were the lead singer and, and the, the guitarist. Guitar. Yeah, that was that was the double threat, and then the bassist got nothing. And bassist still got nothing. <laughs> the drummer was remembered as the eccentric guy who they just kind of let hang around.
0: Yeah, but yeah, no, the guitar was a supporting instrument for um at least the early twentieth century uh as as an acoustic instrument and I think even in its early days as an electric instrument like the we're talking like late fi- late 40s, early 50s. Well, yeah, when we're, sure. we had a, a different little mid range genres there slapped between jazz and rock, you know, like boogie woogie and things like that. Yeah. You know, it, but then it wouldn't think it of be a song- so upfront. It wouldn't be so gaudy. Yeah, but
1: then think about a song like Johnny Be Good, which is the epitome of guitar. Like that song defines the guitarist. Like, you know, Johnny Be Good talk- and the guitar soul in the middle is showing off I would go so far as to say
0: that Chuck Berry himself defined the guitar. Yeah, hell yeah. Absolutely uh, or at least solidified it into what it was to become for the next fifty years yeah I mean, and that's that song... the reason we have the tradition of the last fifty years that's the reason rock took over as the most popular
2: uh and that's music the for, reason why you needed f- three to four guys to play instruments. that's yeah. what you needed because do you need a drummer, you need a bass, you need a lead you need a backup guitar. And it's that's why you we know, kind true. of there reset was, the formula. That's why we there went was from n- Stradivarius to Fenders. I mean, to be frankly honest, as the instrument, Stradivarius, yeah, Stradivarius defenders.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, that probably is the reason. You know, the more and more I think about that, that's probably a good. We probably bookended this pretty well for a, for a part one discussion, considering we started out with the violin, which was the instrument of the olden days. And yeah, the guitar is really the instrument. And I mean, keep say. in
1: mind, there's so many other. Uh, we we <laughs> dabbled in blending like with the brass and woodwind mix. I mean, think about a piano, which mixes strings, percussion. I mean, I want,
2: I want to talk about the rock flute.
0: Well, we'll get into the kazoo. We'll get into
2: everything. No, no, no. Flute is a legitimate instrument that you're not going to even try to make fun of. I'm
0: just just, <laughs> I'm just, just gonna, because, just because
2: used it, dude. Rock flute. There's the piano. There's the synthesizer. There's the therum. I mean, there's a lot Therumen. of stuff.
0: Theremin. Yeah, we're, not, we're, we're getting Thank into you. all this stuff at some point. But yeah, as I said, I think we bookended it fairly well. Um, you know, I think it, there was a pretty well-known virtuoso, like in the 1800s, in the violin, um, named, uh, I want to say it was Panini. And he, I mean, you know, Italian, guys, because Italian, the Italian classical tradition was pretty rich as of that time period and everyone wanted to be the Panini of this or the Panini of that because he was the superstar for the violin and that's what we've become that's what we've
2: that's what we've grown
0: today is a generation of people who want to be the next guitar superstar that's why everyone everyone every self-starting musician chooses the guitar as their think about guitarists like
1: Keith Richards and Joe Perry like you know or James Hetfield or Kirk Hammett like these are big guitarists who Show off constantly on their respective bands, with uh, with their respective bands on their respective albums. You know, think and of, I'm just naming a few. about Randy that.
2: Rhodes. Think of think of no think of that. the classics. Think of Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. Think of Carlos Santana. I mean, these guys. That's th- there's it's, there's a certain element of magic that that's that's grown up around the guitar. Certainly.
0: Uh, but th- that said I uh, considering you started this whole discussion because you wanted to talk about diversity yeah. it does not mean that the electric guitar is limited to that yeah. it's also very very flexible and we heard it uh in this album as well it it can provide a backdrop sometimes because of all the effects and this is more of a modern thing i think i would say this is more of a last 20 years kind of thing yeah. Well, even maybe since the We 70s. can
2: experiment it with it greater. We have we so have, many things right. to work with. We yeah, had a lot
0: of pedals, you know, even going up to it. But especially now that you can hook your computer directly into the damn thing. You can do whatever you want. You can strum something. It could sound almost nothing like... Like, you're moving so far away from the acoustic guitar at that point. Yeah. It's practically a whole new instrument. Yeah. It um, becomes
2: almost computer. It Almost a full-fledged computer. Is,
0: but this is how we and achieve, uh, you know, ambient sounds and whatnot. This instead, is how of,
2: we... instead of making a violin into a viola into a stand-up right bass, you, we gave it distortion and pedals and wah-wah and whammy bars and all sorts of stuff.
0: I think it has something to do with the fact that, you know, that six strings on the average guitar, and uh, many of them are often strummed at once, which means that you don't have that singular plucking effect. You know, you're not going to get that, that short brief, dit, 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 you know, it sounds almost unnatural. When you're doing that on a guitar, you're using, like, either you're using, using a pick or you're using the side of your thumb, you strum against it, and it's six notes at once, and you're giving the, it's, it's a very resounding effect. It's, it's actually kind of pleasing, and that's why I think you can route anything else through it, and you can actually turn that into an ambience effect that's very unique for the electric guitar
2: so the electric guitar is, is
0: magic that's what you're getting at it, essentially I mean it, maybe it's not that itself it's just because it was there at that primary point in the 1950s where we elevated it to stardom and then right after it got elevated to stardom computers started taking off synth started taking off computer programs with all these different effects came on it, this convenient timing for the guitar
1: yeah, and I think like the guitar is a lead into uh, can be a lead into our part 2 cuz there are a lot more complicated instruments that we can talk about that we're not even scratching the surface on or
0: having yes, even mentioned Yes, this is a yet. part one discussion. Yeah. We're going to get into all these other things. We're going to get into the
2: The the big ones would be like the piano, the synthesizer, the oboe, the xylophone. Well, I'll be doing the oboe. The the it. theremin. Wow, you, you said know. it right. Yeah, I said it I'm right. I'm shocked. It's it's Star Trek though. It actually has no physical parts to touch. Yeah, it's playing. probably
0: the only melody I know that actually uses the th- pop culture melody at least.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Very interesting.
1: All right. Uh, why don't we kind of wrap it up? Because I need to go to bed. I'm exhausted. Um,
0: we have a, a spam, I imagine, as always. Yes, I have a participatory spam today. Aye. I would. Participatory. don't just, know just, 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 no, no, Yes, participatory. I, I would like you to bear with me. Is it like a choose-your-own-adventure path? I don't know. No, it's actually a very simple thing. Okay. Okay. When I give you the hand single, you respond very simply. Louis Vuitton. Let's okay. let's give it right. <laughs> Let, let's let's try this right. Okay. Ready? Louis Vuitton. You got it. You know, both answer it's, Oh, you, I have to do it too. You both have to answer. I don't want to. Go. Okay, both fine, of you. fine. Ready? On. Louis Vuitton. Louis Vuitton. All right. Um. <clears throat> One of Louis Louis Vuitton. Vuitton. The toughest roadblocks to overcome every time a romantic relationship concludes is definitely addressing the actual gnawing lonesomeness that will generally seem to dominate your health and the Louis Louis Vuitton. Fearfulness that it's never going to end. This sort of feeling is usually heightened if you find yourself on your own and it senses that you've been haunted by means of these. Losing somebody we like is among the roughest situations to deal with. Nonetheless, you may and you should get... Louis Vuitton! Vuitton. Beyond that, even though you may well feel you're not. Are you waiting for a change? Louis Vuitton! To happen? Baby get carts are made to location, these folks inside soundest. Beloved location, the place they might achieve pedals. Leader, as well as some other important characteristics. Flexible chairs are an innovation that has helped resolve point about this challenge. Virtually any kind of go-trolley design and also design may have adjustable with capacity of, so all... Louis Vuitton! You ought to do, can be find the appropriate placement. Do you know what their first question is going to be when you tell them these? Louis Vuitton! Things? Why not? With Medtronic Tuna Therapy, a catheter is inserted into the urethra. Louis Vuitton! (laughs) And two small needles are deployed in the obstructing prostate tissue. These needles emit radio frequency, RF energy directly and precisely into the prostate, causing thermal ablation of the obstructing tissue while protecting the Louis Louis Vuitton Vuitton urethra (laughs) and uh, (laughs) adjacent structures from damage. This procedure is associated with few side effects and adverse events. Possible side effects from the tuna procedure include... Obstruction, bleeding, pain discomfort, urgency, frequency, and urinary tract infection. By Sox Draura, Barche.
1: What the hell? I just hope it's as funny to listeners as it is to us.
2: Oh my God. Dude, I was following that. That was that was just downright frightening. <laughs>
0: uh, wow. I tried not to laugh. I apologize, <laughs>
2: listeners. It was just uh, a bit,
0: uh, Our little bit of lack oh, of Oh, therefore
2: preposition, preposition, preposition.
1: <laughs> anyway. Noun,
2: noun, adverb, noun. Oh,
1: no.
2: What the hell? Our ne-
1: our our album pick for next week is John's pick. John, what album are we doing? Oh,
2: give me a minute. Uh, we're doing um, Blue October. Sway. It actually comes out tomorrow. From when we're the day the this. podcast
1: drops. Is the yeah, day the day you're hearing this is
2: the day it comes out. So the new Blue October
1: record. Um, it's been
2: okay. I gotta throw out some hash words. Indie rock with Dreamscope. I don't know where they're going, but they're supposed to be <laughs> Dreamscope is your is, hashtag. <laughs> I don't know where it's going, but it's like supposed to be psychedelic, psychotropic, I'm sure ambient, you'll get, like one, one guy on Twitter who will
0: be like, "Oh yeah, finally." I guess when we
1: post someone up the hashtag al- Dreamscope.
2: It's what? from Darkwave, which is part of Goth Rock. When
1: when when oh Steve finally posts this rec this album uh album, this show tomorrow.
2: Third base. I'll
1: make sure that <laughs> I hashtag it Dreamscope. Or maybe I'll wait till next week's episode. Yeah, to do hashtag that one. I'll tell scope. you exactly how to hashtag. Hashtag
2: cool. Dreamscope hashtag psychedelic hashtag indie rock.
0: Episode fifty nine, our Dreamscope podcast.
2: Signing know. off. That was at what? the bottom of the hour. <laughs> And just on that
1: bombshell, and And as always, my need to go to bed on on the jazz note, please. Oh, you want to wrap it up with jazz note? Okay, are we all gonna do it? No, I think Steve. On that note,
0: and as always, music is is life, life. and And life life is is good. good.